Psalm 34. Read this follow. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boasts in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of God. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we have some encouragement from your word. The fact that you are always with us. You will deliver us. You will save us. You will bring us out of our troubles. And Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. Salvation is in none other but in Jesus Christ. We thank you. Ask now that you'll bless us in our time of hearing from your word. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Fear of God. Most of us have some type of fear. We fear certain things. What do we fear? The prospect of our minds failing us, becoming forgetful, losing our independence or our sight or our hearing. Financial fear. Seeing our children, the fear of hopefully seeing our children grow and become successful. Their health, our health. Fear of failure, fear of snakes, fear of this, fear of that. We all have some type of fear. Fear of standing in front of people and, and preaching or teaching or talking or trying to communicate. It's funny, uh, Wednesday night when Robin was giving her testimony, she says she doesn't, you know, she, she can talk, but the initial part of it is a hard, sometimes a hard thing to do. Uh, I was telling somebody the, the week or so, that as much as I have been in front of people, I still get a little nervousness even when I get ready to stand to preach. 
because I think it's, and I think that's a good thing. I think if you get to the point where you don't have some, a sense of, okay, Lord, help me, you know, whether, and I was telling the young people who were here Wednesday, whether there's one or five or 20 or 200 or 2,000, you still got to do what the Lord wants you to do, and you ought to put everything that you got into it, you know. Whether you cook for one or two or whether you cook for 50, you need to do it to the glory of God. And that should be our mantra. That should be our, in the back of our mind that whatever we do in word or in deed or in our actions or our thoughts or what we say, we should always do it to the glory of God. But we have fears. But in this particular psalm, David uh, lets us know some things that I just want to share with all of us here, that there is a fear of God that is a good thing. For out of the right fear of God comes the knowledge of God. Out of the right fear of God comes the understanding of what that fear is. And out of that understanding, we know that God will keep his promises. And we also will know that defining what the defining moment of what that defining of fear of the Lord really is. So let's get started. David's key to understanding our fear. That is fear in the right way. If you look at the, the first few verses there, uh, I'll give you some points here, and you can just jot these down. The fact that out of these fears, he says, afflictions that take the joy out. Versus verse 2 there, of the 34th Psalm. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble be here and be glad. Having more than one type of fear. Verse 4. Not, some of us have not just one, but we have multiple fears. Troubles that cause us to long for help. Most of us are very bad, and that's verses 6 and 17. Most of us are bad at asking for help. We're in trouble, we've got things going on, but it, sometimes in that trouble, in that situation, it causes us not to want to have help or ask for help. But out of that, we should understand that trouble causes us to long for help from the Lord. There are areas in our life that expose our vulnerability, verses 9 and 10. We have areas in our life that we're vulnerable to. There's areas in our lives that only we want only God to know about. Thank God that, are, that some of the things that have troubled you or, or areas of vulnerability to you, nobody else necessarily needs to know. That's between you and God. But that's why we can call on that type of fear that lets us know that we can rest and trust in him. Being brokenhearted, depressed, distressed, and surrounded by troubles, verse 19. How many of us in here today can say we've been brokenhearted? Or we are brokenhearted? How many can say we're depressed, distressed, and we're surrounded by troubles? See, like troubles on what? Every side. But it's good to know that what David's going to let us know is that even with all that going on, the right type of fear causes us to realize that we can trust in the Lord. So out of all this, this song gives praise and thanks to God. With all the negativity that is talked about out of this song, David says we can praise and be thankful to God. I think in the New Testament, so there is, Jesus talked about himself. There is nothing that happened, no good thing will he withhold from those that are his, but also that God, that Christ went through every like same temptation as you and I. 
and that nothing is new that's new to us is new to him. So no matter what your trouble is today, and you might have some troubles. I know we all have troubles. We all have things going on. But in that, we should be able to know that, you know what, in spite of my trouble, in spite of my being distressed, in spite of my depression, in spite of my want to throw my hands up, it just seems like everything in my life is just all just topsy-turvy. Yet, out of all that, David will tell us in this psalm that we can give praise and thanks. Every praise to our God. Glory, hallelujah, to our God. And that's a hard thing for us to learn sometimes, that out of our troubles that we can still praise and thank God because we are masters at many times wallowing in our troubles and in our sorrows. And we think that we're the only one that has trouble or has sorrow and that nobody else has gone through this. Let me, let, let me help us all out. All, no matter what you might be going through, know this for sure, that somewhere in this world, somebody else has already gone through or is going through what you and I are going through. David knew the reality of the fear of God in his life and testifies to that knowledge, verses 7 and 9. He says, And the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Amen? He lets us know that in those verses 7 through 9, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, he says in verse number 8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is what? Good. Amen. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you and I who are saved today have had God bring a blessing in our lives, have been delivered from some things, we have tasted and we have seen and we can say the Lord is good. Blessed, he says, is the man who takes refuge in him. My refuge is not in no other but in him. Then he says, oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. If you have the right fear before God, you shall lack nothing. God will take care of you. God will supply all of your and my needs. But I like that, oh, taste and see. Have you tasted? Have you seen what God has done in your life? Oh, I know I have. I know there are some things that God has done for me that it's only him that could do it. Amen? So, yeah. And I like what he says, that if we have the right fear, oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. And really the type of fear is not the fear where we're afraid to go to God. It's really a reverential fear, and it's really a sense of worship and praise back to God. That's really what he's talking about. He's not talking about, oh, I'm, I'm so afraid God is so, so holy and so righteous, I just can't go to God. No, he's not saying that. He said, if you understand the right fear of the, that God is awesome, that God is powerful, that God brought you in and God can take you out, God has been with you throughout your whole entire life, if you have a right reverential fear Towards God, you really ultimately are really worshiping and praising Him. For out of our fear comes worship and praise. Amen? The way God keeps His promises. In the Old Testament, men and women became aware of their sin. And how they did that, they offered sacrifices. 
But none of those sacrifices could ever take away sin. They look to the day when the unique sacrifice of the Lord Jesus upon the cross would achieve that taking away of sin. They looked, they sacrificed, they gave all that, looking towards the time that there would be one who was sacrificed that would be the ultimate sacrifice. They had an empty, really, ultimately, they had an empty ritual. There was nothing that was going to happen because they were offering all those rams and lambs and, and bulls and bullocks. But there was going to be a day that was promised by God that there was one who was going to come whose blood would be worthy of paying the sin for all of mankind. The promise of God was fulfilled when he, back in Genesis, talked about the serpent, his head would be bruised and that the, they would catch his heel. And even in Romans chapter 8 and verse 15, he says, if you go with that with me real quick, Romans 8 and verse 15, notice what Paul says is a revelation uh, that opens our eyes to say, you know what? Oh, I need to have the right type of fear before God. He says in Romans 8:15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. In other words, Paul's really saying we really don't have the cause to be so fearful of God, but now we have been made sons and daughters of God, and because we are sons and daughters of God, we can now say to God, Abba, Father. And that word Abba is a real, in the Hebrew, it's a real sincere fact of, of, of calling somebody our Father. It's not just a passing word, but the fact that we can now call Christ, we can now call God our Father. Amen? At the new birth, God becomes our Father. The moment we believe in Christ, the moment we believe in him, he become, God becomes our Father. And just like the father of the prodigal son, God has rushed out to welcome us. If you read the story of the prodigal son, in the end you realize he, the father saw the son coming from afar, and he left his mansion. He left his place to see his wayward son. He who has been lost has now been found. Amen? That's us. That whole, that whole story about the prodigal son is us. We were lost. We were the wayward son. We went out into the world. We spent all of our worldly goods. We did all those things. And yet the Father's love for us is that he went out and met us to save us. Amen? That's the whole purpose of the whole part of the whole song. It's this illustration of an earthly father's love for his son. But above that, it's about the heavenly father who loved us. He reached out to us. We did not reach out to him. We were lost. We didn't know how we didn't know what we didn't know how to live life. We didn't know where to go. And the Father, out of His great love, sent His Son to save us. We're now clothed in the righteousness of His Son, and we are now members of His family. Now, I'm a part of a family, the McGee family. They all right, you know. 
They're okay. But the best family to be in, no, they're, good. they're good peoples. We try. But the best family is to be in God's family. To be, to, for me, at this stage in my life, to know that I am a child of God. And, and, and a child of the king. That my father is rich in houses and land. I may not have a whole lot. I may owe a whole lot. I may not have. But one thing is for certain that in my position in Christ, I know for a certain that my heavenly father owns the whole entire universe. Now, some of us like to drop names. Well, you know, I know so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. I like to drop the name of God. Yeah. Because earthly riches can come and go. You could have it today and lose it today. But with God, he has never lost. Amen? And I'm part of the royal family. They just had the royal wedding over there in, in, in uh, England, and, and our girls got married and all the hoopla and fun. But guess what? That's nice. That was a beautiful wedding. That was, the, 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 the chapel was laid out. People came from far and near. But one day, everybody's going to have to come before Christ. And one thing for sure is every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. What? That he is Lord. And Savior. Oh, you may not want to bow now, but you're going to have to bow. When you come before the presence of royalty, I've been watching two series. I've watched The Crown on Netflix, and I've been watching the other one. There's another one that's dealing with way back in the day called Reign, R-E-I-G-N. And I, the, the way you have to conduct yourself before royalty. We talked about that even in our Sunday school class. You just can't walk, walk right into, into, into the king's presence. You have to be asked. He has to say, yes, you can. And if you just barge on in and think, well, you know, hey, I'm so-and-so. I can. Oh, no, you don't. You might get stuck with a spear or sword real quick. But isn't it amazing? That's here on earth. But our Heavenly Father says, wait a minute. I hear your of all the millions and hundreds of people, hundreds of thousands, tens of millions of people that may be calling me on the phone right now, I will hear your voice. There is no call waiting with God. There is no call forwarding. You know, sometimes you call on the phone and they tell you, you're, if you want to, this will be about five, four or five minutes, but if you want to leave your name and number, you will not lose your place in line. We will call you back. And then you get that phone call and you hear your name, Byron McGee, and then the person comes on. Well, guess what? That's not with God. God hears you when you call. And all you have to say is, I'm a father. Amen. And he hears. No, even better than that. They want you to tell you what's wrong. Well, my internet's not working. My TV's not working. Or whatever, whatever. But with God, he says, now, even if you don't know what to ask and don't know how to ask, guess what? I already know. All I want to know is that out of obedience, you're going to call on me. So even if you don't know how to pray or what to pray or what to do, God says, I hear you. I already know what you need. And I'm able to supply all your need according to his riches in glory. Amen. We're clothed in the righteousness of his son. We're members of his family. We were once unworthy sinners, unworthy dread of God, and been displaced by, but now we have delight in loving and pleasing him. We were on the outs, but now we're on the in. Proverbs 9 and 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of wisdom. 
and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If you want wisdom and you want understanding, you and I have to have the fear of God. And we need wisdom today. And we need to have the knowledge of who the Holy One is. I, get, I am really amazed. I should be amazed, but I, I sometimes amazed and sometimes appalled at how people think that they don't need to know more about God. It truly amazes me. They're saved. They come to church sometimes, but they don't think they need to be taught more about God. I mean, Sunday school is great to me. We're having some good, we have some good lessons. And today, it was, we say we know it, and we probably do, but it's good to have that reinforced that God created this whole world. Some of us learned a big technical term, ex nihilo. I mean, he just spoke and it came into existence. Who else could do that but God? Amen? Yeah. If you buy into evolution and stuff, that's why they don't, have, that's why crime is rampant. That's why people, if, if your excuse for why people do the thing is because we are, are lower and we're just like the other species of the world, you know, that, that the reason man has already built into him the, the, the same problems, the same situations as the monkeys and the apes and the gorillas and the, and the other creations out there, then that's why if somebody does something, you have no problem saying, well, you know, they're only doing what they're doing because it's innately created within them. Well, to a certain degree, that's true. What they don't understand is it's called sin. It's not their, uh, the fact that we come from nothing and now we're here. The fact is God says that what, what is right and what is wrong. Somebody asked the question, who, who determines what's right and wrong? I'll tell you who determines what's right and wrong. It's God. Why? He created the world. He gave us the Ten Commandments. He said, this is, you want to know how to live? You want to know how to behave? Here are ten things you need to know. And out of that comes how we should behave ourselves in, quote, a civilized society. Well, God's the one that sets all these things up. But if you don't believe that, then you just let people do what they do. They just run around, do whatever they do. Hey, no big deal. And we learned today that God created a the distinction of the sexes. He created them male and female. And then it, and it must be important because God put more emphasis. Male and female created he, them. Twice he says that. I mean, he didn't just say he created male and female. He also said, and male and female. He, so what does that tell me? That tells me that in a, in a world today that says there's a, the blurring of the sexes, that we can be either or, you know, we're changing our gender identity. No, that is not something that God created. That is something that we have done on our own. The XY chromosome, you either got that or you don't have it. And if you have it, you're male. Whatever chromosome you have, that determines who you are in terms of maleness and femaleness. Now, we got so smart and we got so creative that we can change some things, but because of science and because of medical technology, but that still doesn't make it right because God says, hey, male and female. And we are different. Glory, hallelujah. I'm glad I, that he created men to be men and women to be women. And we're living in a society now that wants us all to act alike. 
I don't want to be with a woman that's like a man. And you as a woman don't want to be with a man that wants to be like a woman. Maybe you do, I don't know. But I don't. I'm glad that there's some distinctions, some differences there. My dad used to say, no, nah, you don't need to be rubbing against no hard ankles. We want to be with another, you know, go touch a woman's face and it feels like my face when it's not shaved. That's terrible. You know, talk to a woman, hello, how are you? Excuse me, what kind of? Male and female, defining the fear of the Lord. Our every want, he wants us to think that the fear of the Lord is not unimportant. Our enemy, the devil, wants us to think that the fear of the Lord is unimportant. He really does. Now, wait a minute. Let me understand this. This is what he might be telling somebody. You're to fear God, and yet, in the same breath, you're to trust him? That doesn't make sense. You know what? The devil hates our living in rightful respect and honoring of our God. He doesn't want you to fear God. He doesn't want you to live right. He doesn't want you to respect and honor God at all. He is the father of lies. Jesus said that. He's a liar. And he's what? The father of it. Anyone that's lying, anything that deals with lying, it comes from the devil saving the pit of hell. And he is the father. He's the master of all lies. So he, asks, he presents to us, how can you believe God's love for you if you have to fear him? Fear him and love him. But Jesus already has said there is no truth in him. There's nothing true that the devil tells you. That's what got Eve in trouble. You'll be smart as God. Let me tell you, Eve, the reason why God doesn't want you to eat of that fruit is because when you eat it, you'll be like God. But I want to tell you something. If you eat, you'll be God. And that's our problem today. The, the reason why man is the way he is, we want to be our own God and not submit to the God of the Word. I want to do that. Well, I'll bend the truth a little. There are consequences. If, if, if the stove is hot, we have one of those stoves that is electric and on the, on the top of it, it gets real red. Then when you finish with the burner, you press off. And on the back panel, it says, lets you know it's hot. But if you don't see it on the surface, so if you think, okay, we're done, and you don't look and see that it says it's still hot, and you put your hand on it, You'll get burned. Some of us do. We have hot surfaces. And as long as we see the sign that says hot surface, and it shows you which one is hot, we're all right. But if we look at it and it doesn't look hot, if we look at it and it doesn't seem sinful, if we look at it and we think, eh, it's all right. It was all white. 
Let me see when you see me after church, you'll say, let me see that. But it's, you may be able to see it from there. But this was all white. How did I get that? I got it because I was cutting grass and I turned the mower off and I was adjusting the The silver, so, and I—I I mean, I just did like that. That just that quick. I touched it. Oh, oh, and Sister Juanita was there that day, and I went in, and it was all gray looking. And you need some cold water on that, or ice, or something. And I thought about back in the day, Grandma Sav and all that stuff. You know, they tell you all these little homework. Put butter on a butter is not what you want to put on a burn. That's not good. So I put it in some hot cold water, and then I. Got some ice and put on there. But it was all red. But now, slowly but surely, hopefully, the color's coming back in. There's little dots of brown. The Bible is the word of God. You can burn yourself, but the healing process is that God, through his word in time, can take our troubles and all our sins and make us whole again. Now, there may be a little scar there to remind me. Not to do that again. And even though God forgives us and cleanses us and makes us right, we do have a reminder that, you know what? You don't need to do that again. Next time you touch that, next time you do that, it could be, more, it could be worse than what it is. I don't know. I was blessed in my life to have a good father. Not a perfect father, a good father. Crystal McGee. Amen? Some of us didn't have that. We didn't have a good earthly father. But how sometimes my view of God is strengthened is because when I talk about God's faithfulness, when I talk about God's love, when I talk about the sacrifice that God has given, I think of my dad and the sacrifices that he gave for his family. There was nothing more important to my father than David, Kathy, myself, and my mother. He gave it all for us. So I have a good model of who God is because of who I know God is. And God is perfect in all his ways. If God said it, I can believe it, and that really should settle it for me. If he says, listen, I will take care of you, guess what? God will take care of us. If he said in his word, I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed beg for bread, guess what? I may not be eating steak and and oysters and all that other fattening, disgusting food, but no matter what it is, God will take care of me. And we learned this today. If God, the, the, the sparrows in the air don't have to toil or plant or grow any food, and yet God takes care of them. If he takes care of the birds of the air, and I am in the created order of things, his crown jewel, do you not think God's going to take care of me? And do you not think God's going to take care of you? Oh, yes, he will. Why? Because he's God. He, ha- he can't go outside of who he is. Amen. And sometimes as I was growing up, the things that I revere and respect of our Heavenly Father, the same thing I revere and respect of my earthly father. To be 
disciplined by my father and mother, was never to doubt their love for me. When I got whoopings, spankings, not timeouts, we got spanked. We got whipped. I never, as I look back, I never thought my parents did not love me. They loved, they disciplined me because they did love me. Amen? I'm thankful they did. We had a discussion one time at our house. We, we were trying to figure out how we got to Wilmington. Of all the places in the world, why Wilmington, Ohio? My dad was in the military. We could have been into a whole lot of different places. Lived in Germany for a couple of years. Lived in South Carolina. Got stationed in Fort Knox, Kentucky. Could have went back to New York where we came from. David and I were born in New York. Kathy was born in Germany. But of all the places in 1964 that God could have sent us to, to send us to Wilmington, Ohio. The same question they asked that talked about Jesus. What good is there in Wilmington? That's the same question we could ask them now. What good can come out of Wilmington? And I came to this conclusion. That our life, wherever it might have been, might have been entirely different if we had went to any other place. The people we know, the friends that we made, the, the church that we became part of, all, all those things may have been entirely different. I don't even know if I would be preaching. I don't even know if I would be saying. I don't know what it is, but because he put us here is the reason why our life is what it is. It's in his design. Amen? And sometimes we wonder, what? why am I here? Well, you're here to glorify and praise God. What is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy his benefits. What the fear of God means, it is to respect greatly all that God has revealed of his character so that we live our lives honoring him, the perfect father, and aiming to have him and aiming to have him in his right place in every part of our life. I'll repeat that again. What the fear of God means, it is to respect greatly all that God has revealed of his character so that we live our lives honoring him, the perfect father, and aiming to have him in his right place in every part of our life. We are to extol and bless at all times. Verse number one. Praise is always to be on our lips. When you find yourself getting ready to do something with your tongue that you're not ought to do, praise God. Be thankful to God. Before it comes out of your mouth, say, Lord, I need to change what I'm getting ready to say and put praise and joy onto that. Put a praise. Don't say it. But you, you know, I say what I think. Well, that's not good. Because sometimes we think the wrong things. Sometimes our minds aren't right. But before those words spew out of your mouth, say, wait a minute. Stop. Thank you, Lord. I praise you. Amen. Verse 2 lets us know that our soul boasts in the Lord so that we bring encouragement and joy to those who are afflicted in some way. Other people have problems too, but you could be a good counterbalance to that by if you have joy and you have excitement about the, what the Lord has done for you. 
So that if they're afflicted, you can comfort the afflicted. Say, hey, I've been there. God is going to bless you. God's going to bring you through. You know how I know that? He did it for me. I was where you are, but God delivered me. And I, maybe the reason why I had to stop by and say this to you is because he's going to deliver you too. So, yeah, our soul boasts in the Lord. Glorify and exalt the Lord with, with others who fear him. Why are you here today? Because we all say we all believe in God. The fellowship of the saints. I hope you just didn't come because it was Lord's Supper. I hope you came because it's, we want to be with other people like us. Their strength in numbers. Their strength in the power of prayer of the church. Of other members, of other people. Because we all had some stuff going this week. But hey, I watch this on Sunday morning when we come in. Everybody's interacting. Everybody's talking. Everybody's, hey, good. Why is that about? Because we, sometimes, even though we live in a small town, we may not see each other. And I get amazed when I go to some places. I, I'm like, you're still in Wilmington? Yeah, I've been. I said, I haven't seen you in a long time. Seek the Lord in prayer and know him. Answer, know that he will answer our prayers, verses 4, 6, and 17. Verse number 5 says, look to him. And we are made more radiant, for he never disappoints. God never disappoints. Sometimes we think he doesn't hear us, and sometimes we think he doesn't act. He may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. We, verse number eight said we can prove God's goodness and strength. Amen. His goodness and his strength. And if we fear him, we have nothing else to fear. Verse number 9. If there is nothing else I should fear if I had the right fear before God. What is there to fear? I mean, he's in control of everything. So if my fear is right towards him, there ain't nothing down here that I should be afraid of. Because they're not greater or stronger than God. Amen? The fear of God. Great thing. Out of that comes our praise. Out of that comes our knowledge of him. And the more you know about God, the more we praise God, the more we have joy in our life because we realize we're going to make it. Amen? You're going to make it. Now, you may not think about it right now, but you're going to make it. Because soon and very soon, he's coming. Amen? A prayer for life that fears God. Heavenly Father, help me so to know and love you that unconsciously I may display the wisdom, attractiveness, and beauty of a life that fears and delights in knowing you. For Jesus' sake, amen.